I realize your guy's show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, I'm the podcast them. that delves I'm, into the craft of our favorite games, lore, <laughs> gameplay, or game design. Join Rogers, Joe, writer from Wild well, Insider you know and I'm World of Madness, and Vince, the massive nerd. All of whatever Hoogs talks, I'm going to remove every single thing he says. <laughs> hey, that was you removed one of mine. Well, you're green. <laughs> I'm looking for green and ability. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's well <laughs> Intro. <laughs> Intro. Uh we've gone too far. So <laughs> Hey, hi. Welcome to For the Lore. <laughs> this is Roger coming to you on Monday, May seventh. A little <laughs> little codeined Monday, the seventh. We have some some trouble, some shenanigans going on in the chat room, so we're just uh just taking care of that. Basically shutting Hoogs up. That's that's the whole plan for the night. So yeah, you're, you're taking a freaking scorched earth policy with this. Hold on. I'm gonna wait, see. wait, 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 wait. Wasn't Hoogs like telling me on Twitter earlier that he wasn't even going to be here? Well, he's not. See? He's not. <laughs> <laughs> We're following through on his promise. <laughs> Just keeping you honest, Hoogsy. Yeah. Just keeping you honest. So... Anyways, hello to everybody else in the chat room. Sean, thanks for coming out, man. Sean Devian there is actually the uh, first guy that I podcasted with way back in the day, man. That was Buddha's Bar and Grill. So uh, nice to have you out. Um, this is going to be a fun show, I'm thinking. I'm Because <laughs> I got some words to say about a game. And I know that uh, Joe does as well. But before we get to that, we're going to touch on a couple of the uh, more popular games that are out right now that just came out. Like Terra. Terra launched, and like I said before, I'm not ready yet to bounce into it. I may at some point. Joe, I know you haven't had the time yet to bounce into it, but Vince, you did. So how about you tell us about the launch and what they've put in this different? Okay, uh, last time I played was the second beta weekend, so it's possible this was added in before the launch, but I don't know. Uh, but as we remember from the beta weekend, they start you off on the Island of Dawn and shit happens. But uh, in the new version, they've added in a prologue to the Island of Dawn, where you're actually part of the original expedition that went there, the failed expedition. And this is kind of cool in some ways, because they actually, right off the bat, level your character up to 20. So you get a look at you know your skills and abilities later on. Uh, because it, if you guys remember coming out of the beta, I was actually really excited to be playing Berserker. I was like, oh, I was really loving it in the beta. Well... Playing the level 20 version of the Berserker, I realized that in the intervening nine levels from where I left off in the beta, I didn't learn a single new attack. I upgraded some attacks. I got some mana regenerating stuff, but realizing that at least over that number of levels, there wasn't going to be that much interesting character progression for me. So right before I got into the game and learned the harsh lesson, I realized I didn't really want to play Berserker. So I switched over to a sorcerer character, which... I absolutely fell in love with. I uh, really like the Sorcerer. Um, I don't know if they've scaled the difficulty that much more or if it's just the fact that I'm going from a heavy armor to a light armor, but I'm definitely noticing 
more of the gameplay that we were expecting that we didn't really see in those early betas. Like uh, the the big tree dude, Velkus, from that early quest. But he fucked me up in like three hits. So I was fighting this guy with five HP left, dancing around him in circles, trying to shoot him with fire. It was actually really fun, more fun than I had on any of the other classes. But that might just be because I had the light armor. So it was like tentacle porn, but with branches instead is what you're saying. So Vince was right at home. (laughs) All right. That's not gentle. (laughs) (laughs) Damn those splinters. But anyway, what's weird about this new starting experience is, okay, cool, you're leveled up to level 20. It actually makes the overall storyline of the Island of Dawn make a hell of a lot more sense because all these things they were referencing in the quest text, I actually know what they're talking about now. I know who Elyon is. I know why his sword is there. Like, I know who that big demon thing that you're, you fight at the end is, although kind of weird that the demon thing destroyed you and the greatest warrior in history at level 20 and yet you're able to solo it at level 10 a little awkward but let's go with it what i do find strange is it's the same character you play from the prologue into the uh the actual level one starting experience but there's never any explanation or even any thought given as to why you go from level 20 down to level one it's well, I mean, not it's the dream it, of a titan they can't keep God. relying no, on the, that the, 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 the dream has already happened you're living in the world now and so like there are plenty of other games that to do the same thing you know symphony of the night god of war it's been done metroid over and over again it's not an uncommon thing in gaming but they at least reference it they, there's some sort of thought or attempt at explaining how you went from powerful to nothing and the fact that that was just completely washed over, just, you know, one NPC says, oh, we're one of the few, we're two of the few people who survived the expedition. That was kind of off-putting. It was very awkward. Okay, but overall, though, in terms of how much of a change was to the the questing overall? Because, yes, it's gotten harder, and yes, you're understanding it a little bit more, but is it making that much of a difference that you can see yourself doing it more than once and still enjoying it? Or is it still just a chore even the first time around? Well, it's a chore for me because I've already played through these quests. For This will be now my third time, so it's pretty much just point me in the right direction and kill shit. So I, I'd like to say it would be more interesting in the future, but I honestly can't because... Don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. And I, I might not ever know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that I'm not digging Terra. It's that, you know, Diablo comes out next week. And mm-hmm. as it is, I haven't been spending remotely any time in the Old Republic lately. I, I think just for me, it's coming down to I'm kind of done with subscription games. I don't have enough time to play them and get my money's worth out of them, especially with stuff like Guild Wars and Firefall coming out that's going to be free to play. Yeah, yeah, no, very true. Um, okay, let's move away from Terra then. Well, uh, before we go into anything else, has your girlfriend been playing Terra at all? Oh, she's playing the crap out of it. Yeah, and how's she's, she she's, liking she's it? Got, she's really liking it. She's got like three level 25 characters. Like, you played through the same questing zones three times, but she, she's really enjoying it. Maybe we should have her on the show instead of you. <laughs> Maybe no, one day. voice is deeper. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, that. We got to make that happen. Right Seriously, we got to make that happen. <laughs> I need to talk to that girl. Just I got questions for her that aren't even gaming related. <laughs> 
Okay, let's move away from Terra then and talk about Dragon's Dogma. Again, another game that we're very excited about. And like we've been saying too, one of the main things that we were worried about was story. How it is has it going one. to be? Well, I mean, yes Yay. and no. Like <laughs> the, the the trailer, the story trailer is still pretty flimsy, but at least it exists. It, exactly. <laughs> there's a dragon. There's something. Yeah. It's, it's freaking Dragon's Dogma. What were you expecting, dude? <laughs> Big freaking poodle with wings. Hey, <laughs> hey, at least they delivered. They delivered on a dragon. Yay. Okay, Vince, you're the found one that found this. Go ahead. Yeah, so they're basically just kind of a teaser as to what we can expect from the story of the game where your character, the Arisen, basically faces off with a giant dragon and that turns out to be a really bad idea to the point where he literally rips your heart out of your chest. We don't get too much explanation as to how you're still walking around after that, but that ties into the whole reason why you're called the Arisen. We're just going to go with it at this point. And how the pawns are, aren't just kind of there. They're actually a really big factor in the story of the game. Like, they're similar to the Blades in Skyrim. You know, they're this group that's been assembled specifically for fighting the dragons. And now you are, they accept you as their leader, you know, some great prophecy and whatnot. And some questionable voice acting aside, and it's... A lot of stuff we've seen before, but it's okay. Like it, it, it's it's at this point not bad. <laughs> I'm actually really intrigued by the pawns. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 heard about the pawn system and how important they were going to be for like your character and advancement, but the fact that they're tying the pawns in in such a way to the story is kind of uh, interesting to me, right? Because it's not just oh, here's uh, an NPC that's going to go around and carry your, your crap for you. It's, no, these these actually have an important part in the story that's going on. So I thought that was kind of a, a nifty little uh, cookie for us little lore nerds out there that, you know, anybody who likes story is going to, you're going to be that much more attached to your pawns as a result of it. So well, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I what I equated it to was if I if you were playing, um, say, Oblivion or um, or or Skyrim, and you had your companions, and your companions were part of, say, the Thieves Guild or the the Dark Bro- mm-hmm. Brotherhood, this faction that actually really means a lot, and they're your companions, and they look up to you as you know the leader of that group there's a, a lot of weight to that. It can be something that has a lot more um, story potential and not just be something that is, you know, oh, here's a companion and they're, they're a throwaway. Even if they have a story, they still might be somewhat of a, a throwaway companion that you don't really care about them as much. But not just that, but the fact that now that groups together now all of the pawns including the ones that you can recruit and hire to come and quest with you so again it's not just that you're going to recruit these nameless who cares about what they are no they're all part of this faction and so it makes them that much more involved in your questing and your story and everything so like joe was saying that's that's phenomenal i i really love that twist and that will add more lore and more story to the to the game which again that's what we need to see more of still kind of interested in maybe some more of the you know the overall you know background of the world and everything we didn't quite get much of that but for for this one little aspect yeah it's it's pretty solid well not just that but we also missed out on um how the questing is going to occur yeah yeah we got the 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 backstory but we didn't actually see 
okay, how is it going to work? Because that's starting to mean a hell of a lot, such as how they were talking about that for Elder Scrolls Online, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. And when they're talking about how the questing is going to be occurring in that game, and they're making reference to Guild Wars 2 as well. Like, all of those things are, like, how the questing is presented to you now, it's changed. We care a lot more about that now than we did before. So we need to see what that is for Dragon's Dogma as well. So, and the dev diaries, they're all in the show notes for anybody who is interested. And so if you want, check out the dev diaries as well, because they are actually very interesting. Um, you're, you're reading a lot of subtitles, but uh, it's it's very, very cool. I love, again, they talk a lot more about the pawn system and things like that and and how much it means in, in the story. So definitely worth watching those. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite things came out of the dev diaries, actually. Um, when they were talking about how the uh, the pawn imparts their experience to you, when they're talking about during the questing and things like that, I don't know if you guys caught yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. That that was kind of awesome. Where like the pawns, because you're going to be able to like essentially lend them out. Um, it, let's say you lend them out to another player who uses that pawn to complete a quest. Um, you get that pawn back, and you go through that same quest. Your pawn has experienced this quest now, so they have intricate knowledge of it. So they'll shout out warnings to you. They'll give you heads ups and things like that. That's awesome. Yeah, see, we had kind of been told that that would be in the game. That how, like, if your if your pawn had gone out and experienced certain creatures or whatever, it would be able to help you. But they didn't say how they would help you. Right. And so now having seen that and heard them talking about that, even though we played the demo, I didn't pay much attention to it in the demo. But now that I know how to do it, shit. that's right. Now <laughs> that I know how it's going to work, it's like, kill crap, this is freaking awesome. Way to integrate a, a system we're in you're helped in terms of the the developers giving you hints of how to to take down a mob but it's it's subtle it works into the story so that it's not just you know this big arrow saying hit him here kind of thing it's freaking awesome also the uh the combos that the pawns will hint hint to you as yes. well it's kind of 50 <laughs> but it's like you know hold him or do this and like the, the pawns are shouting out commands like they're not just weak-willed uh subservience to you no they are warriors they are full-blown badass warriors in their own right and if they tell you to do something you might want to consider doing it because you might get some really freaking kick-ass results yeah Awesome. Uh, whenever I download your pawn, I'm just going to bitch slap him on any occasion possible. <laughs> Probably. But, I'm okay with that. One other cool thing I took out of here was for the last several years, the general consensus has been that the Japanese gaming industry has really stagnated. And Capcom has been you know, carrying the flag for that movement. Uh, there's a big bunch of stuff over the past year with KG and Afune leaving the company. And just because and coming out and saying that, you know, the Japanese game industry isn't what it used to be. And he looks over at the European and American developers saying, like, you know, they took what we did, refined it and are just at the pinnacle of their game. And the he flat out said the Japanese game industry was second to the American game industry. So I find it kind of cool that now Capcom is taking these more Western influences and improving and revising upon those and coming up with something really creative. And it, it's it's a good sign for the industry as a whole that, you know, the two regions are playing off each other, building upon each other, and everybody all around wins because of it. Innovation begets innovation. Yep, definitely. Very cool. Okay, let's move away from there and quickly touch on DLC coming for Batman Arkham City. This actually looks 
pretty freaking awesome. It, it's the first that's going to be story DLC and not just, you know, extras or whatnot, but it actually looks fairly awesome. Joe, you found this. Yeah, uh, this one was actually kind of cool. It started out as uh, something I got from their Twitter account, from the Arkham City Twitter account, where they... they lying leaked. bastards. They, they may be lying <laughs> bastards, but I fucking love them because they released this teaser artwork of Harley Quinn. And they were talking about this is going to be the next DLC. Like, and they, all it was was basically this this symbol, like the sign of like Harley Quinn, like since you're like broken. So the next DLC, which is going to be Harley Quinn's Revenge, um, which is her essentially her opus to mourn good old Mr. J, uh, since he's now gone and out of the picture. And I'm not spoiling anything because the game's been out damn well long enough. So screw you guys. So what is she going to do? She's she's without her essential purpose for living, right? So apparently she just goes off the fucking deep end and decides, well, he's out of the picture. Well, time to go kill me a bat. And I think that's kind of awesome because it's like the, the, you've always had that question, like what would she do if the Joker was not around anymore? Would she just fade into the background or would she actually become her own, you know, sort of mad woman? And yeah, she's going to become her own mad woman. Uh, I'm curious how they're going to do it. Me too. Like they haven't really released too much about it, um, but we got like uh, some images of her with like, you know, black and red roses. We have like her with the, the morning veil um, and her with a giant fucking hammer, uh, which of course is the Harley Quinn special. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, it just looks absolutely awesome. See, I can't wait. I'm hoping that yes, it's 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 well done, and yes, she's going to be challenging and whatnot. However, I I don't want it to become something like the Harley that we saw in DC Universe Online, because I mean, she's still only a chick, okay? And nothing against women. She's she, there's just there's nothing, you know. There's no extra p abilities, powers, whatever. She can throw a punch and a hammer, but that's about it, kind of thing. But when you fought her in freaking DC Universe Online, God damn, she was a pain in the ass. And she was freaking, <laughs> yeah. she was a tank for Christ's sakes. And I don't want that. I want, you know, a, a smart female character that's going to use, you know, a, a variety of tricks and all that that'll make it difficult, but not that when you're physically fighting her, she's posing much of a challenge because she shouldn't for freaking Batman kind of thing. Well, that's uh, the thing. Like you get, you get some images. Like, did you see the four screenshots from it yes. already? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can tell, like it's, it's not going to be like a physical altercation. Yeah. It's going to be like a, a giant game of chess for her. So if they do that right, then yeah, that's going to be freaking awesome. So from what I've been hearing, uh, you're actually going to play as both Batman and Robin in this DLC. Yep. Yep. You have to, you're going to have to play as both because mm, I have a sneaking suspicion that Batman's going to get captured. Wait, I, listen, I, really... I, don't, I don't want Robin to save Batman, okay? <laughs> let's, let's not get crazy It's inevitable. He's it's inevitable. Robin. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is coming out on the 29th, or they're going to give us more information on the 29th? They haven't said, but we have more coming on the 29th, which means it's either going to be the actual DLC or just more information regarding it. It's probably going to be a fairly large DLC, so it wouldn't surprise me if they give us just more information and then kind of go on past that afterwards. Okay. A couple weeks ago, this lion bastard said April 30th. I was all excited. Nothing. <laughs> so what you're saying is they got your ass good. Hey, they got me. All right. Let's move on that to... That tree. Are you done? Maybe. All right. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to start muting you, too, now. 
to defer my attention away from Hoogs. <laughs> okay, Elder Scrolls Online. It was announced, finally. A lot of people had been uh, knew that it was going to be coming. I mean, yeah, they'd been saying that there was maybe, maybe not, and things like that, and then the, the whole legality problems. But it is coming. They've been working on it since 2007. They started development on this. That's a bloody long time. I mean, yeah. they started while WoW was still pretty early on. So a lot of the lessons that they would have learned along the way kind of thing, again, they started quite a while back. Uh, but we found out a hell of a lot of information from this. This was from a Game Informer uh, article. And I don't know what you guys took out of this to be the most awesome. I See, I've been wanting something like this for a long time. I love the lore of the Elder Scrolls. I, I love the class mechanics, and we're seeing that there's going to be a lot of those same class mechanics are going to be in here. We're seeing things like the they're going to have the Thieves uh, Guild as well as the Dark Brotherhood is going to be in there. They haven't said quite how, but just the fact that they're, they're, they know those are fan favorites, so they're going to shove them in there. Um, there's a lot of things here that is fairly awesome, including how they're going to be dividing the factions, not mm -hmm. in the traditional one versus one, but in a trinity. And they're going to each point has three three races that are going to be part of that faction. I'm very interested how they're going to make that work overall, but nonetheless, I think that's freaking awesome. And that'll throw in a whole different dynamic for PvP as well, which they obviously are taking quite seriously when you're looking at what they're saying with the 100 versus 100 matches. 250 versus 250. Was it two? I thought it was 100. Uh, 250 100. person teams. I saw I saw a reference to 200 for, uh, 250 person teams. No, yeah, that is the team working. The team making the game. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. never mind. All right. Next time, read all the words. They're there for I a reason. I read all the words. I just put them in the wrong order. <laughs> what do you want from me? Vince, what did you take from this? Oh, man. Where do I start? All right. For me, being, uh, you know, that I'm so into the Daedra and the Elder Scrolls lore, the fact that Molag Ball, who is like oh, the yeah. prince ass kicker of badass darkness, is one of the main antagonists in the game, saying that uh, the Imperials are not a playable race in this particular time frame, are trying to take over the world. But meanwhile, one of the high-ranking Imperials is making backroom deals with Molag Ball to take all of the power for himself. Meanwhile, you as the player, your soul has actually been stolen by Molag Ball. And that's your whole motivation for getting involved in this, trying to get your fucking soul back. I like how they started with that, too. That's going to be, again, get you right in from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, what else do we see here? Hold on a second here. I was looking. There was something that caught my eye. The the whole questing, what they're talking about, how it's it's similar like in the actual Elder cool. Scrolls games where you don't walk into town, click a couple exclamation points and go on your merry way. No, you talk to townspeople, they'll say, hey, there's some friggin' vampires over in that cave. And then if you decide to go to that cave and kill all the vampires, afterwards an NPC will show up at the end to give you your quest reward. So it's not questing in the traditional sense. I mean, it's the same concept, but handled in a very Elder Scrolls way. I do like how they were talking about how the um, your abilities are going to be able to work with 
other members of your faction as well, very much mm-hmm. like Guild Wars 2. So that's something that I don't know if they were working on that kind of thing at the same time as Guild Wars 2, ArenaNet, I should say, or if it's just they took the cue from them. But again, that's something that I'm hoping, based on this, we're going to start seeing in a lot more games now. Because, again, they're, they're MMOs. They're meant to be played with other people. So, of course, there should be a lot more interaction between yourself and those that you're playing with. And this is the perfect example of that as well as when they're saying about the open instances where you can go in and just as many people come and help with that questing so that it's an open type questing same as what we're seeing again with guild wars 2 so you can have these massive instances and have a ton of people in there with you doing the same thing that's bloody awesome now one thing that doesn't really do it for me and this is especially true given my current understanding of how much time I actually have to play these online games, is in a very Elder Scrolls way, they say it's going to take 120 hours to reach the level cap. That's a lot of game. Freaking lot of time. You know what? Actually, I don't mind that. I'm tired of the complaining that everyone is doing that they can get to level cap in, you know, three days. And it's true. And then they complain that there's nothing to do. this is five actual days. (laughs) (laughs) That's not that long, in my opinion. I'd be all right with taking it a hell of a lot longer than that, even. Again, yeah, this, this is 120 hours of actually leveling. This would take me a lifetime. Yeah, really, you'll never hit level cap. <laughs> you you still haven't hit level cap in Star Wars, for Christ's sakes. There's just so many pretty things to see. Yeah, right. But no, I I want it to take longer. I, I mean, I don't want to go back to like Vanilla WoW where it was forever. But you know what? I would be all right with even that because I, I'm, I'm so tired of everyone bitching and one. complaining. Yeah, really. Yeah, but it took you seven years. <laughs> no. But I'm tired of everyone complaining uh, that it takes them forever to get the level cap and then there's nothing to do once they get there. And the other thing too is that you know, I really miss the days when hitting level cap meant something. I mean, back in, again, Vanilla WoW, when someone in our guild would hit 60, we threw a freaking party in game yep. for them. It was like meet at the freaking... Oh God, how did you do that? And it, Yeah, and it was a party, and it was a blast. Those Spent are... Three days grinding giants in winter spring. <laughs> Been there, done that. (laughs) But it's something you remember, and it means something. Like, when I hit level cap in Star Wars, it meant nothing. It was absolutely nothing. Granted, more so than, you know, that game more so than others, level cap really does not mean anything. It's the story along the way. But again, all of the MMOs now, let it take longer. I'm fine with that. Anyways. That's just more for me, because, you know. Because you're a lazy bastard. No, oh, yeah, I'm a lazy bastard because I'm too busy not playing games. I'm glad we established that. <laughs> so there will be mounts in this game, but they said there won't be any flying mounts. Good. 
No, I want flying mounts. No, fuck that. I, well, wa I want ground mounts. You know why? Ground mounts force you to explore the world in new and interesting ways. Flying mounts remove you from the world. It's one of my biggest scrapes with WoW, and I'm very happy that they're not going to have it here, at least yet. Because one of the coolest things about some of the old games like WoW is the fact that you have that ground mount, and in Vanilla WoW it was, where can I go? What can I explore? What's behind this mountain? There was a mystery to the world because you couldn't just, oh, I'm just going to fly up and go over there and see what the hell's there. No, it was much more to me organic of an experience and that's one thing i will steadfast agree with i i'm i don't like flying mounts i really freaking hate them uh, they're pretty they're fun sometimes but they remove you from the game world then don't and use something them. but you well, okay if everybody else is using it and they're taking all, all the quest stuff and i'm forced to use them to get there it just removes you from the world i would rather have them not in the game and have a much more organic experience or a much more elder scrolls experience that way because to me that is that world and that's a big selling point for me like the rest of the fantasy stuff i can i can kind of you know take it or leave it a lot of times because a lot of the fantasy mmos tend to blend together they're doing a lot of things very right here and that's one of them that's one that i will stand by and say yes thank you for that i'm very adamant about that uh, we will disagree with, on that with a proper fast travel system i don't really see the need for flying mounts anyway uh, see, I disagree. I again, it's it's a three dimensional world. Moving around in it, in being able to fly, it, it makes sense to me. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I can appreciate some of it. But then again, it's a matter of well, if you want to ride, then ride on the ground. If I want to fly, I can fly. In terms of arguing, well, you'll get to the nodes faster. Well, then fly. It's it's again. It's not. It doesn't have to be something where it's well. That's not fair. Well, no. Then just there's there's enough fair. freaking nodes all over the place that the mobs respond to do your quest. It's to me that's not a valid argument. So because again, going back to wow, when they introduced flying mounts and not everybody had them immediately, kind of thing. Then some people were on the ground running around, and yeah, sometimes you got screwed out of a node because somebody swooped down. Server. But what's that? I don't know about your server. Freaking everybody on mine had a freaking fly mount as soon as they were available. Except you, huh? No, I did. I is that, is that what day. I'm feeling here? Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, anyway. Anyway. And also important, sneaking will be in the game. They haven't yes. quite figured out how, but it will be in there. It's mandatory. And I think, I think that would be hilarious if it is just traditional Elder Scrolls type sneaking of you just creep along like no stealth <laughs> like, you can see the guy <laughs> he's just acting sneaky yeah really. <laughs> like i think there's a rogue behind me <laughs> i'm really really looking forward to hearing more about this uh the links are in the show notes folks you can go and check it out there's quite a bit of information from uh the neogaf thread there there's tons more than we'll discuss on this show right now but uh, definitely worth a read check it out okay Let's go from there now to what we've been really wanting to discuss this week. Now, this was actually brought up... Oh, okay, No, not yet. Well, if there's time, <laughs> we'll cover that. If not, I don't care. Um, this was brought up last week in the show notes by Joe. And initially, when I'd read what it was about, I was thinking, oh, dear Lord. Now, if you listen to the outtakes, you, you know this already. I was thinking, this is we're not even doing this on the show. And then I kind of read some more about that. I to do a feature on it. And then I thought, no, this actually sounds fairly interesting. And so I decided that we'd do it this week after we had a chance to play through it as much as we, we could. Um, the thing to take out of this is that um, the game is 
the game slash novel, interactive novel, is free. It was put out by arguably the worst community on the internet. <laughs> and so when you read about it initially and you read about some of the things that prompted it to be made, you think this is going to be absolutely disgusting. And yet then you play through it and realize that there's parts of it that are actually quite good. Now, that being said, again, because this was just put out by a community and it's free, you can download it and play it. I don't want to you know, rant about it and things like that, like a game that I would have paid and felt like I wasted money on or whatever. I more give suggestions on what we think would have made it better and at times a little less creepy. <laughs> but uh, but it's it, it was very, very interesting. I actually played through it all week and I finished one playthrough. So the game is called Katawa Shujo. I'll assume that's how it's pronounced. Um, I actually just found out today, reading more about it, that actually Katawa is a derogatory term for someone with a disability. So they may have wanted to change that. But uh, it's uh, disability girls is what it boils down to. So I'll let Joe give the rundown on what it is and, and a little bit of backstory on it. And then we'll talk okay. about our playthroughs on it. If you are even considering it and, and don't want to know much about it, then I'll put skip here and later because we are going to be giving some spoilers, uh, because it is a story kind of like uh, uh, Mass Effect and various games where you have companions, where you um, you romance them and then you get a specific storyline based on that. So the storyline that I played is actually quite different than what at least Joe played, because I we talked about this. Vince, I don't know what yours is turning into yet. So anyways, Joe, go ahead. All right, so Katawa Juho uh, is, like you said, a game about... Dating disabled girls, um, yeah. Well, it, it's it's interesting how that comes up on a, it shows up in a Google top search right now because I'm pretty sure everybody wanted to know what the hell that meant. So interesting note there. Um, but it is a visual knowledge, uh, visual. Eh, I can't even talk today. Damn, a visual novel and the the bijoho style, which is basically like interactive storytelling from like Japan. And so if you ever done those like those choose your own adventure stuff. Kind of like that, just in sort of a interactive video form. Um, it is from Four Leaf Studios, which is from 4chan. Go figure. Um, basically, the story takes place in a fictional, uh, fictional place called Yamaku High School, uh, which is a high school set aside for disabled children, and it's located somewhere in modern Japan. Uh, players take on the role of Hisawa Nakoni. I, I'm gonna butcher all these. Names. I am I'm loving sorry. this. This is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this is this is freaking awful. Enjoy it, folks. This is this is about the worst I'll ever be. Um, who is quote unquote a normal boy until he has a horrible accident where he finds out he has some genetic disorder with his heart, uh, where it's basically well, yeah, his his heart. He's got a bum ticker. Um, he winds up getting hospitalized for a very long period of time. Then after. Uh, being released, winds up being sent to the high school. Uh, and the game is supposed to explore learning how to sort of exist within this new life, make friends uh, with people with other disabilities that you don't share, uh, and possibly even find love. Um, it's a, uh, we're just going to call it Katawa, whatever, it is a choice-based game uh, where you basically read through a series of texts and occasionally make decisions uh, that impact events or dialogue within the story. 
Um, as you make choices, the story will branch and fork, where it will either show the players growing and deepening and possibly finding themselves in a relationship with one of five primary girls. Um, it, with Each relationship has its own course, its own story, its own growth, its own possibility for success, failure, heartbreak, uh, amicable breakups. There, there's a lot of, of weird little uh, caveats on there. Uh, for lack of a better term, they try to emulate almost a real relationship. Um, it's, you can also play the game over again and never romance any of the girls. You can romance different girls. Um, you could have different interactions between the girls based on your choices. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see how much they actually coded in there, especially for a a free to play game. And this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler there. You, you might even, I, I don't know how to say this. You might even we're, die. We're adults. <laughs> you might even die. There are choices where you can actually die in this game. Can I kill the quirky doctor? You can. <laughs> He's no. a nurse. He's not yeah. a real doctor. <laughs> so let's talk about the girls a little bit, right? So there's Emmy, who is an energetic, extroverted girl. Uh, it was a, yeah, that, that's that's Rogers there. That was uh, my shorty. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> She's a... <laughs> Yes. Oh, no. Wow, I feel unclean already. Awesome. They joke about that in the game. Yes, they do. They really, really do. Uh, She's a brunette with twin tails, forest green eyes. Uh, She has two prosthetic legs, uh, having had her legs amputated from below the knees after a car accident. Um, Despite this, she is a track star. Uh, and is more insecure about her height than the fact that she actually has fake legs. Um, she actually, of all the characters, endangers the main character more than any of the other women. Yeah, and there's a reason for there's that. A, there's a good we'll reason for that. We'll get which Roger to that later. <laughs> uh, the next one is Hanako, uh, which is the burn girl. And she's the one that you see in the preview. Like, if you actually go and watch the video, which... You should. You really, really honestly should. Uh, She's the one that you see uh, in the library. Uh, There was a horrible accident when she was a a girl in which her house burned down, uh, killing her parents and maiming most of her body with horrible, horrible burns. Uh, She actually uh, is very shy, very traumatized by the whole event. She wears her hair sweeping over her face where the scars are and tends to stay very covered up. Um, she's incredibly shy and spends most of her time actually in the library. Like you'll notice that if you go to class and you, you go to all the other, the girls will be there except for her. She'll occasionally just bug out and go to the library on her own. Uh, there is Lily who is blind and has been since birth. Uh, she's the class representative for three dash two, a class of blind and partially blind kids. She is very ladylike and prim and proper and uh, formerly attended a strict all-girls school. She is very relaxed and takes, uh, takes things at her, her own pace. Uh, then there's Rin, whose arms were amputated due to a birth defect and uses her feet to accomplish everyday tasks. Uh, she does things like paint with her feet. She's very dexterous with her feet. And yeah, I guess you can guess where that one's going to go at some point. Uh, there's also Shizone, who's a deaf mute that communicates primarily through sign language, uh, she is that she is strong-willed and forceful, and is capable of crafty plans. She's very manipulative. Uh, she also has a very competitive nature. 
So that's the basic write-up of the girls that you interact with. And that's the basic idea of the story is you try to navigate being around them and eventually trying to doink one of them. So uh, let's go to Roger. Let's let's talk about your playthrough, Roger. <laughs> well, before we get into that, though, I think it's important to note here. The, the game originally started because someone had talked about making a game about disabling, uh, a dating sim on dating disabled girls. Apparently, there's a lot of weird people i don't want to say weird there, some there people on 4chan that is this. really into this fetish now if you go into this game slash um, visual novel with that premise then yes you will be pretty kind of weirded out unless you're into that sort of thing in which case well, each to their own but you will be weirded out and that's partially why I was kind of initially when I'd read about it, it was like, mm, it sounds creepy and really disgusting. But then when you actually play through the game, you realize that though not always well written at times, it, at times it's just not well written. At times it is, um, again, unless you are a teenager yourself and you can really relate to some of this. It, it comes off as really strained and it some of the interactions take far too long. The writing isn't always good. That said, though, there are points where the writing is actually, it is actually quite good. There are points like at the near the end of the storyline with Emmy that are powerful. They were really well done and I was impressed. And then there is the obligatory sex scenes that were tossed in because it's a quirky Japanese dating sim game that have no place in there whatsoever that will really creep you out, okay? That'll kind of make your flesh feel just not right. Um, so when I read it initially, again, as soon as the main character makes it to the school and you're interacting with the girls, again, as a grown man playing this, you're like, it kind of feels a little creepy. So you have to change your mindset that you're not playing this game like you would a traditional game where you try to put yourself in the mind frame of the character. No, this is more like reading a third person novel where you are just experiencing, you know, what he is and you're rooting for him and things like that. If you go that route, it's not nearly as bad. Then you can enjoy more of it, though not all. Um, but there are parts that are really... Yeah. The thing that I took away from this, though, is... Shut up! Listen to me! <laughs> the thing that I took away from this, though, was that it wasn't... Most of this is not this creepy kind of 4chan weirdness, but rather that a lot of respect is given to each of the characters in terms of making them appear to be strong or giving them reason to feel the way that they are. And it's not, it's not harping on the disability. It's applauding them for having the strength to do different things. Again, taking the character of Emmy, which is the one that I played through. The, the character is insanely strong and yet still has a lot of insecurities based on having lost her father as well as lost her legs and then all of the trauma that ensued around that time and so she's she has a ton of issues to deal with and i will say as well that as you know as creepy as it is reading about teenage romance kind of things and depending on how it's done you still feel for the characters and especially the main character trying to 
stay and help, not necessarily be the white knight kind of character, which is apparently what happens with some of the playthroughs, but rather yeah. just that he wants to be there to help her because she did the same for him when he arrived. So in in that regard, it's well done, and there's respect given to the characters. That is until you get your head whack with a freaking sex scene, and it's like, yeah, you guys were doing so good <laughs> until you shove this in there. There was respect for the character, <laughs> and now it's just, hey, how about we try anal sex? And it's like, what? <laughs> what? Where the hell did that come from? Like, is that actually in? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, no, it, that was one of the best reactions I've gotten from Roger on AIM in the it's, longest time. It's in the freaking woodshed, is where, or not woodshed? Yep. It's in the freaking shed. The, the shed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's at that point that. It, they ruin it for themselves because here you have this story that's being done in such a way that there's respect shown for the characters in how they react to each other. And it's never at any point, at least in the one that I played, it's never at any point where it's that creepy fetish thing that they do with the, the reason for dating the disabled girls, but rather accepting each other for their disabilities and admiring each other's strengths and being attracted to that kind of thing. So again, it's handled with respect and maturity until you get to those freaking sex scenes. And then you realize that it's just, you know, it's it's just disgusting and it's it had no place in there and i can i can appreciate that you know it's a teenager and they're getting it on yeah we we were all there but there's a difference between Joe, living through there yeah living through it and then playing a game where you're doing it sure this might be popular in japan okay fine and it was a free game and you can turn it off as well which for the next playthroughs you damn right i will if i play this again um but for it just is really, it's it's forced. It's not, it's hard to say anything other than freaking creepy, like Joe was saying too. It is. <laughs> really is. Every single time, it feels, it makes me feel freaking unclean. It is. It's just, it's not cool. That said though, again, the story, see, without getting too personal, everybody, you all know that I have problems with my knees and I have problems walking and all that. And it's not a quote unquote, you know, registered disability or anything, but I've got the disabled parking and it's very, very painful for me to get around. So my life has changed over the years insanely because of that. And it has been a struggle as my co-hosts know, because I share with them more than I do with the audience. Um, when I was reading this, I could so appreciate a lot of what was being said. Now, granted, I don't have anything to the degree that what these kids are going through and whatnot, but even just the glimpse of it, I was able to really appreciate the story and the strength. And when you're seeing this girl without legs that is pushing herself to the limit because she won't be slowed down by it, and I can think of all the times that I do the same kind of thing. And you pay for it later, but you got to do it because it's that's just the way it is kind of thing. So there were so many points as I was reading this that I could relate to and that I actually felt at those points that the writing was not just strong, but accurate. And it was, it was, I really was enjoying it. And despite the fact that there are a lot of flaws with this, this quote unquote game, a lot of flaws, um, not the least of which being that you can be staring at a freaking bed for five, ten minutes while you're reading slide after slide after slide. And because they're just mildly photoshopped images many of the times, it's really wears thin. And then they don't use a lot of different sprites either. They're just kind of moved around on the screen. And so there's a lot of things that 
could have been done a lot better. And yes, it wouldn't involve more work, but at least it would be better and more engaging. The writing could have been more solid throughout. Excuse me. But overall, there were a lot of high points. So I think that like I was telling Joe too, is the game is winds up being something that had so much potential and just winds up being instead something that at times was good, at times was quite good, but overall you're left feeling like too many parts of it were also very creepy and very just, again, feeling unclean and shouldn't have been there. So, so that's what I took out of it, playing my one character. Well, I haven't played as much as you guys have. Uh, I had it loaded on my laptop and unfortunately spent the better part of the last several days away from my laptop, so that didn't quite work out too well. But I have a certain amount of experience with these types of games, let's just say. So the writing didn't bother me at all since uh, similar titles I've played were just you know fan-made uh, translations anyway, so it's I, there's not really a point of reference. This is just kind of average and even above average for the genre for me. But I, I, I said, without the wealth of experience you two fine gentlemen have with your creepy little schoolgirls, I am enjoying it thus far. And like you said, I, I am impressed with how they're handling the characters first and the disabilities second. The only other thing that I would have suggested to them, which again, yes, would have created more work. However, I think it would have made a big difference is actually giving the readers a lot more choices. Yes. There yes. are very, mm-hmm. very, very few choices. Now, the thing is as well that as becomes quite apparent as you play it, um, the game is insanely different based on who you are going to, quote unquote, again, romance kind of thing. So early so on... Shepherd part bird. Yeah, you really... I. It's hard to tell. Although, no, not really, because there are some naked scenes there. No, he's all man. Um, the, um, the... Damn it, where was I going? <laughs> The uh, I at no point saw a very clear choice that would allow me to decide, okay, I want to romance this character to see what her storyline is going to be. I just kind of, you know, fell into the Emmy story. And I'm glad I did because, again, the story was quite well, strong. Well, they also beat you over the head with that one. What's that? They also beat you over the head with that one. Or do they? Yeah, it's 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 kind of like the... Emmy's like the default, I guess. Okay, well that uh, she, that makes sense then. Yeah, she's like she's like the supposed to be the easiest. Supposedly. Okay. Well, yeah, because it just kind of <laughs> happened. Oh, and she is. Okay, dude, that that girl. <laughs> wow. No wonder there's an option where he dies at the ending because I know that that girl's yeah, got some stamina. Yeah, apparently she is the easiest one to have him die. Yeah, and she is into some. She'll try anything apparently. So, uh, so yeah, go Emmy all the way. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but her storyline, those things notwithstanding, yet and and yet even saying that, as much as I hate to say it, it works into the type of character that she is. So as much as it, I hate seeing it in there, it kind of, for lack of a better term, fits, and and in there. They, of course, they could have. How done many times has she said that? It fits. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was more like it doesn't. Uh, it, there could have been a lot more fade to blacks that left you knowing what happened, but not actually seeing it. Um, but again, then you get towards the end where she is finally opening up with the character and, and taking him to, again, spoiler, we already said it, but still, um, 
to her father's um, gravestone and whatnot, and opening up at that point as she hadn't with anybody else before since the 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 accident. There was a lot of solid writing. But anyways, going back to my point about the the options, there really does not appear. There's not nearly enough options and then they're not clear enough so that you know what path you're going to be following i mean you joe the one you're doing not doing yet is the the deaf mute girl and actually fairly confident that i'm going to wind up on the sexless journey is there one such how fitting oh no there, there there is there is an option where you can go through the uh go through have a relationship with a couple of the girls and never have a sex scene all right well, because again, it was. It, I, I'm curious how you got those options, because I the very know. yeah, the very few options that I saw <laughs> wouldn't. It doesn't make sense that it would lead to there. And then I'm left wondering, well, how the hell? Okay, the 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 deaf mute girl. Damn it, I can't remember her name. The deaf mute girl. I can you know maybe see because you interact with her and her translator. Excuse me. At the beginning, quite a bit for the the council meeting thing. She's in. Yeah, she's on. She's on. Whatever. So that I can see. But then when you're looking at the other characters, like like Lily, the blind girl, and like the um the 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 girl with the scars, I I had no clue what options you could take that would lead you down that path. I have no clue because I was going for the burn girl originally. Yeah. Although what I read was that that was actually one of the weaker stories. Despite oh, you she think. she's actually got the uh, that's not the case. Um, she has the best one hundred percent ending apparently. Okay. What See, I what I really like there too. Sorry to interrupt. Is that they're coming up with interesting relationships between the characters themselves. For example, like you were just saying, Lily and Hanako. Since Lily is blind, she's the only one that Hanako feels comfortable around because she doesn't feel like she's being stared at the whole time. And, and that's one of those really subtle things that makes this game so intriguing. And then what they said as well is that if you do play it multiple times, then as you are, again, romancing another girl, then you will still be bumping into the others and you'll see the their lives without you in them as a boyfriend kind of thing. And in some, some cases it's good off. and some of them they're not. And that is fairly interesting. So again, having done the Emmy playthrough, I've seen some interactions now with the other characters and most of them have been happy for the two of them together. So that's kind of been interesting. And I'm curious what that would mean now, what Emmy would be like if he had been with the other girls instead, because the character of Emmy was still fairly guarded in her personality, so she never would have broken out of that without him. So were it not for the fact that A, I'm not sure that I I, I don't I'm not sure I want to spend another week and be creeped out a little bit. <laughs> no. Nope. I'm I'm very curious about what it would be though and what those storylines are and if That's I would appreciate most of Oops, no all they're doing on you. freaking YouTube is showing the sex scenes that's what I want to try to avoid um but no I'm curious what it would be but the other thing too is this is a surprisingly deceptively long freaking game I had it up on my screen, like I was telling Vince, behind other windows, just to be sure most of the time. And I would pop it up and just kind of play through a few lines and just read and read and read. And okay, that's enough. And then do some work, do some other stuff, whatever. Go back, read a little bit more. Because I found that it got tedious to just do in one sitting. To read forever was far too tedious. I think it would have been, again, way better had there been 
a lot more options, then you would be far more engaged in it that you would want to sit and do it for any length of, of time. But I think that as a, again, with so few options, it's just something to do, you know, in between doing something else. And in that case, it, it was freaking addictive. It still was because you want to know what's going to happen. How's it? Okay. How's it going? Here's interesting because while you're talking, I'm just looking up some stuff about the game. There are actually t- over 1,200 possible paths through mm-hmm. Act 1. Really? That's a lot of choices. How does that make... There's not that many choices. And actually, Emmy is only the second most likely. I'm trying to find who's the most likely. Oh, really? My reading was uh, that she was the most likely. Yeah, Hanako is the hardest. Yeah. With only a 3% chance if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Lily is just as hard. See, I thought the... It's actually the most frequent, the armless girl. There's a 22% chance... That, okay. I can see that. I can Man. see that. I seriously, dudes. I have no idea how you would get to that, based on my playthrough and the the fact that there were so few you... choices. I I I just I don't get it. So you either did something really right or really wrong, Joe, because there's only a five percent chance of getting Shizune. Really? Yep. You can have Fuck her. Yeah. She's go a RNG, pain in the ass. Go RNG. She is just a bossy little priss. I didn't like Listen, her. Listen, any girl that can kick my ass at risk. Qualifies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Anything else to say before we move on? There is, there is a frightening fifty-two percent chance of epic failure leading to the death route. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I did not die, which is again saying a lot. But see, she, she, <laughs> man, this just sounds dirty even thinking about it. <laughs> She gets you in shape first. That's why you survive. She gets you out there jogging so that you're in better shape so that when she's banging you over and over and over again, All you don't die. Master plan. It is. She is a skeevy, horny little witch. I love her. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to end wow. with, we're going to cleanse our palate here with a little Fantasy Star Online 2, and then we're going to call it a wrap. Joe. Oh my god, Fantasy Star Online 2, it's finally coming, except it's only coming for Japan, uh, right now, at least, in the summer. Uh, Fantasy Star Online was one of those games that was way ahead of its time. It was a, a MMO on consoles that worked incredibly well, it was free to play, it was absolutely awesome, and I know I dumped hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours into that game. Yes, I had no life, folks. I don't really have one now, but it's okay. Now with Fantasy Star Online 2 coming out, it, they're going back to their roots. Because between Fantasy Star Online 1 and now, there's been a lot of misses. Like, there's been a lot of games that just fell absolutely short. Like Fantasy Star Universe, which is absolutely horrible. Um, Fantasy Star the Card Game, which I have no clue where the hell that came from. But there was a series of those. There was a series of handheld games. This one goes back very much to the roots. You have your three classes. You have your hunters. You have your uh, hunter. uh, Yeah, you have your hunters. You have your rangers, and you have your force users. So you have your mages, your ranged class, and your melee class. Um, You have the original races that are there. You have the Numans. You have the androids. You have the humans. Uh, You have all the original stuff that made the first game absolutely awesome being redone on top of that they're adding new stuff like the abilities to dodge to jump to interact more in combat to make the combat more engaging but everything else that you want about that game is still there you still have the the worlds to explore you still have uh 
all of the the mags that are there too, which is your little companions that you can, you know, grow. Best part of the game. Best part of the game is the mags because you get some really weird, wicked mags. Uh, I don't know, like it's just really exciting for me because this is one of my all-time favorite games and franchises that looks like it's actually going to be done really well. Now, not only will it be available for free to play for PC in Japan this summer, but we're looking at iOS port coming in December with potentially a U.S. release and European release not too long after that. So pretty soon we might actually have a worthwhile Fantasy Star online game to sink our teeth into. And I'm super excited about that. I want to play that game on my freaking tablet with that little joystick. Remember the one you linked me to? That's yes. the Kickstarter? Dude, that was freaking rock. Wasn't it? Wasn't it cool as hell? That would be awesome. Now they need to find some way to plug in a Dreamcast controller to the PC. That's the only way it feels right. Make adapters for it. (laughs) If my thumb isn't bleeding from that terrible D-pad, something's not (laughs) great. All right, Vince, you got anything to say about it? I love freaking Fantasy Star. I'm pretty much in the same boat as Joe here. Okay. All right. We are going to call it a wrap for tonight. We ran a little bit long, but I knew that the discussion for that game for Cattle would be... Intense at points, <laughs> very fairly interesting opinion, to say the yes. least. And um, I wanted to lead into an interview with David Gator, but we didn't have time. But I am going to leave it in the show notes so that if the audience members want to check it out, they can, because we're going to tackle it next week. It's a fantastic interview with David Gator, of course, the writer for Dragon Age, um, who also worked on a lot of other Bioware projects, and. Though he talks about writing a lot and different things like that, there's a very strong turn towards talking about um, companions and games and things like that. And seeing as we were just talking about the romanceable options in this game, Katawa, I thought that it's, it's. I want to have a discussion where we talk more about this turn where we're seeing a lot more games that have this... Um, damn it, Hoogs, how many times do I have to shut you up there? Um, <laughs> about companions and not just companions but romanceable companions and what that means what i'd like to do is i'm going to leave it in the show notes because i'd like to give the audience members a chance to watch it as well get your opinions together and if you're interested maybe take a couple of call-ins next week is something a little bit different we haven't done and see what your opinions are as to whether or not there should be more or less of this or if it's being handled well now so with that we're going to call it a wrap make sure to check out the show notes at forthelore.com and on twitter we are at for the lore and if you want to email anything send it to for the lore at gmail.com hope you enjoyed the show we'll talk to you guys next week with a lot less freaky japanese porn maybe i know what i'm Probably. looking for for the show notes <laughs> all right that's a wrap When I spotted Avernum Escape from the Pit in the App Store, I knew that I wanted to play it on my new iPad. The boys and I have been discussing this type of RPG for tablets on the show, and knowing the pedigree which Spiderweb software holds in terms of classic RPGs, I had a feeling I wouldn't be disappointed with this remake of a remake. Now, when I say that Avernum is an old-school RPG, understand what that means. You see, old-school RPGs weren't about lifelike sprites or kestrel scores, or diagonal movement for that matter. They were about exploration, about setting, about strong characters and epic stories. Your imagination, more so than the anti-lizing level, was what immersed you in the game. 
Now, in Avernum, an evil emperor rules the surface world. Anyone who offends his delicate nature is sent packing for an underworld prison. Now, this place, named Avernum, is shrouded in mystery by surface folk, which is used to keep them in line. A group of four is banished there, each for their own crimes against the Emperor, and this is the intrepid group which you're going to control. You get to decide each's class as you would in any traditional RPG. And make sure you think very hard about what classes you want to mingle together so that you have the maximum efficiency against what will be a wealth of baddies below the surface. A couple of melee, a range, and a healer is always a solid bet, and for that reason that's exactly what I went with. What you find below the surface is an intricate civilization which has grown from all of the banished people who've been creating outposts, cities, relationships, feuds, all the while adapting to the harsh setting and native creatures. Luminescent moss grows on the roofs of the caves and it creates the mood lighting in which in a very traditional RPG sense and only showing you a section of the map that you're close to until you discover it. You'll immediately get a sense of the questing in Avernum coming across several groups of people trying to make their way underground. You get to decide what type of group yours will be, whether helpful or cruel in order to survive. You'll also make an immediate nemesis which will help you progress in the main storyline. However, you don't have to feel limited in how you progress. Avernum gives you the freedom to play the game as you see fit. You can explore the wealth of caves, you can interact with all of the people you meet at various places including outposts, each with their own problems and side quests, or you can just go around looking for things to punch in the face. Which leads us to combat. As with traditional RPGs, this is a turn-based combat system, wherein you can perform simple melee attacks or cast a variety of spells based on your class. Anyone with an ounce of sense will be able to wrap their heads around combat easily and use each of their classes to their max, whether attacking faraway creatures with their ranged class, double teaming single creatures, or healing those in need. The combat is not always thrilling, as we as gamers have come to expect so much more from combat in order to get our hearts pumping. However, it fits perfectly into the style of this game. My only complaint being that the movement squares are quite small and a precise tap is sometimes required. I actually switched over to playing with a stylus at one point which took care of that issue. Not that I had to, it's just I found it simpler. I wanted to wait a while before putting this review out because I wanted to explore enough of the game to ensure my thoughts on it were true and that the game had staying power. What happened is that the open-ended gameplay just caused me to spend more and more time in this underground world, loving every minute of it. From the simple movement to the underwhelming graphics and score, I know that sounds odd as praise for a game, however, when associated with a strong old-school RPG, well, that's just music to a retro gamer's ears. Avernum isn't for everyone, however, if you are a fan of old RPGs, you will immediately fall in love with this title. I'd hazard to say that given a few minutes to settle into the game, even young gamers used to the flash and pomp of new RPGs would also get sucked into Avernum, because given time they'll discover that what the game lacks in flash, it makes up for in depth, providing you with an insanely rich setting to explore.
I, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Did you just wake up or something? No. Somebody had a little nap before the podcast? <laughs> I wish. I would be a little better. I'm having one of your days. Oh, well, I'm having one of my days as well, so this should be fun. <laughs> Help us, Joe. You're our only hope. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> we can be Cody buddies. I decided to... Uh, hold on, because I can't type my user ID and my pass... Word at the same time and talk unless I'm saying them I'm in okay now then <laughs> shut up dude <laughs> although I will say this though it's it's deceptively addictive it is well now, well, now you gotta do it again Mass Effect style yeah really eh? <laughs> Joe, Joe told me one of the <laughs> I told him I'd finish it I said finish it and he said did you die and I was like Spoiler! Spoiler warning! I might have wanted to play again. <laughs> so like, Jesus. But it's funny because as soon as I finished it, it was that Mass Effect thing too because I finished it. And it was like, okay, well, I guess I'll play it again from one of my saves and see what the other stories are because they're bound to be completely different. And then it was like, nah, not really. <laughs> It wasn't that good that I want to do it again. In fact, parts of it kind of made me need to wash. I was like, you, I feel dirty. <laughs> Trust me, Joe agrees with me on that. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but it's like, wow, that's that didn't belong in there. You guys were doing so well up until that spot. <laughs> I promise you, I've seen worse. Oh, I'm quite certain you have. <laughs> I'm quite certain. I left it in the window on my uh, my iMac. You got to be careful with that. Periodically, <laughs> most of the time, behind other windows. <laughs> it was like behind my soundboard window, and I just kept it there so you could see a little of the top and just made sure that, uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, dude. Have you seen some of the videos? I can only imagine. Whew. Because I know that Joe hasn't even installed the damn thing. Uh, Mr. Jumping Up and Down. Oh, yeah, no, no, oh, I know, I know, I know, but he hasn't. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Take your time. <laughs> He's gone potty. It's a complicated question. It is. Pretty good. At work right now. Awesome. At work. Is the sound coming through all right? Last week, everybody was bitching. Did you wiggle your thingy? I wiggle it at least once a day. Sometimes something else do you sitting in that big comfy yeah, chair. Yeah, if I get lonely, you never know. And I just realized that's going to have to make it to the outtakes. <laughs> I know. You, you got to kind of splice that in during the uh, Kadawa discussion. <laughs> that's creepy. Dude. Man. Maybe not so much if you're still in your, in your teens or 20s, but... 41 playing that game at times it's like yee that's not right <laughs> that is not right is that like your new hey everybody hoogs that's like you got nothing to, oh geez. you know what hoogs get lost <laughs> I won't talk to you no more I'd be but I thought you weren't going to make it tonight hoogs oh that's you typing I just saw green <laughs> I was looking at the and it's time to bring somebody else on who's a little bit more coherent, probably. 
Well, goddamn, all that planning for him not being here, now we got to actually plan for him here. What? Joe, <laughs> sit there and be quiet. For yeah, me. really. <laughs> you, 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 you got five minutes. <laughs> Mute your mic so that we don't have to hear it, Tart. Because <laughs> lions ain't the kind you love enough. But as a woman who be, you'll tell me about